Hello, and welcome to I Am Dad Podcast with your fatherhood authority, Kenneth Braswell. 30 minutes of wisdom, information, resources, and nuggets to help you on your fatherhood journey. Or maybe you're just curious and want to hear some real talk about fatherhood, family, and the minds of men. Well, guess what? We got you too. Sit back, grab your pad and pen, and maybe even bring a little something to sip on. Enjoy 30 straight minutes of fatherhood, family, and fun with the fatherhood authority. Kenneth Braswell. Welcome to I Am Dad Podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell. And boy, do I got a special show for you today. Uh, We have decided to launch into a whole new podcast, whole new subject matter, whole new area for bringing some of my familiar family and brothers to the forefront so that we can have a conversation that is extremely diverse um that is progressive that's deep thought that's outside the box and brings tons and tons of experience to this space and so today we are introducing our spinoff podcast called sideline dads and sideline dads basically is going to be a podcast to really begin to start talking about the roles and responsibilities and the realities of primarily dads on the sidelines, but we're going to talk about moms every now and then and how they interact with their children on the t- on the sideline. And we're going to try to spread ourselves across um, sports spaces where sometimes we can specifically talk narrowly about basketball or maybe football, but where we want to also address, you know, the sideline issues that may occur you know, with parents who have dads and children in band, who may have children in tennis, who have made children in arts and entertainment, who who are serving as those support mechanisms on the sidelines of their kids. But we are primarily going to stay and try to stay mostly landed in the sports space. And so I want to introduce to you three awesome brothers today, and I want them to introduce themselves and talk a little bit about um, their own experiences as dads in new in youth sports. And so let's start with Mr. Javin Foreman. I'm going around my clock on the, on the screen. Let's talk. Let's start with Mr. Javin. No, much appreciated. KB. glad to be here. So um, <clears throat> I'm a father of three. Uh, one daughter, she's the oldest, Jace, 14. My oldest son, Zachariah, 11, plays competitive AAU basketball. And my oldest son, eight year old, eight years old, uh, he plays competitive AAU basketball as well. So I've been on that journey, you know, as a coach, uh, rec league starting out. I train my sons. I train, you know, quite a few other kids, you know, so I'm around. Uh, We got some pretty serious travel teams. So we've, you know, in the last couple of years, begun taking it out of state with my oldest son, Um, my youngest son. We get out every now and then, some of the larger tournaments. But, you know, I'm in it. I'm, I'm all the way locked in, you know. But for me, it's an extension of, you know, of my childhood. You know, not one of these dads just trying to relive his dreams to his children and think they're going to go to the NBA and all of that tomorrow. But, you know, I think I try to keep a pretty good level head and say, hey, this is about, you know, youth development more than anything, turn them into men. So my philosophy is trying to use sports to uh, teach some life lessons that I don't think you'll get anywhere else. But, you know, on the flip side, that's for my children. But it also helps to grow me up as a man. I have to look at myself when I'm that sideline dad. And I'm talking to that ref, man, wait a second, Javin, what, what are you thinking about right now, man? He's playing a game just like your son missed that layup. He might've blown a call and it's okay. So that's kind of who I am and where I am with it. So I look forward to interacting with you brothers. Let's have some fun. All right, cool. Next on my list is Mr. Rodney Kellum. Yeah. So I'm excited about this podcast. I'm glad to be here with these, with these gentlemen and, and uh, fellows. So I'm a you know former college player. And my wife and I run a youth league in our area from fourth through seventh grade. Um, I'm heavily involved in the middle schools, getting more involved in the high school in my area, high schools in my area. And like Javin said, uh, there's a saying, there was a popular t-shirt back in N one days that said, ball is life. And I learned from another uh, former professional baseball player says, ball isn't life, ball teaches life. And so I really, I really uh, took that and ran with it. And I make sure I incorporate a lot of mentoring and all the other men and women that I bring along into my program, the mentoring portion, because everybody has a final game. We just don't know what it is. Sometimes you get to choose them. That is Mm -hmm. most of the time you don't, that could be in fourth grade, could be when you're 40. So I want to make sure we help and develop them as people and that we care about them as people. And I'm, I'm all around servant, but, uh, 
Basketball is my main gift. My oldest son is 14. He's going into high school next year. That's the reason why I got back into youth sports was to make sure he had opportunity to play. And like Javin said, making sure I'm not living through him. But if he chooses, and he's always chosen, uh, to play the sport, that I'm there to support him and make him the best player and person possible. And last but certainly not least, today on at least on the day of this um, broadcasting is my man's birthday. Big birthday. Appreciate Big it. Thank you, thank Keith you, Holmes, thank you. what's up, bro? Happy right. birthday, man! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Glad to be here. Um, I actually come with an interesting part. I don't, even, I don't have kids, but just like growing up playing football. Right now, I'm pretty heavy in the little league sports and little league football in the community for the last ten years or whatever. Coaching little league football, so I come with a different perspective. Life football has changed my life. Football has taught me a lot of skills. Um, a lot of anger management, a lot of things that I take with me through this day. So I try to give back to the community as much as I can. Like I said, I have the opportunity to, to coach on the national levels uh, for the past five years now. And so I'm, I'm excited to be here. I come with a wealth of knowledge around sports, not just football, just basketball, baseball, or whatever. And I know what sports can do. And I, I've seen the the battles of parents and sideline dads and whatever. So it sounds like it'd be an interesting topic. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Mm -hmm. So before we even jump into this, let's kind of throw this out here just so we can address it up front. So for the moms out there that are listening to us, let's talk a few minutes about whether or not there is a major difference between a sideline dad and a sideline mom. Man, that's a deep one, KB. You're going to keep going with that. So I'll be honest, and I know Keith sees it, especially in football. To me, you know, from the time I played youth sports, there really wasn't a sideline mom to a large degree. That mom might drop you off, drop drop the young person off to the game and that sort of thing and depend on the coach for the teaching, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, but now absolutely there's a sideline mom. And sometimes you see sideline mom and dad can't get along. You know, they, they got two different opinions. A sideline dad is trying to hold sideline mom. And you can kind of look at body language and you can kind of tell which one is is, is kind of running, you know, little Johnny's uh career, is little managing his little mini career. But I think it's all good when it's when it's in perspective. But I think the sideline moms play a role. You know, I know I depend on sideline moms with the AU programs I'm I'm involved in, and they they're knowledgeable, you know. So you're not talking about some moms that haven't played. I think one of the best things you get, you know, is when you see a mom that was an athlete, whether she played that sport. Her child is playing, but she brings that mentality, and that son has a ton of respect for her, too. So, you know, I, I love seeing the sideline moms now. You know, sometimes you got to back those sideline moms out because they the ones. They think it's the dad. <laughs> they, they, you have been, sometimes it's the sideline moms kicking it off, so I'm here for it. <laughs> what y'all think, brothers? Absolutely, man. And I was talking about this with somebody else recently. I, to Javin's point, when you, when you go to the AAU tournament, especially the high-level AAU tournaments, there is a plethora of very athletic-looking women being the loudest. Not only, oh, okay, go, baby. It was like, you missed your Euro step. That referee missed. That, that's the referee on the baseline's call. Like, knowing the game of basketball and calling everything out. And the positive side of that is, is man, I got a mom who knows my sport, basketball, football, whatever it is. And then sometimes it's like with dads, you know, they could take it too far. You know, I've seen on the far end, you know, females getting in fights and having to be broken up by police. But on the positive side, whether the father's in their life or not, it's like I got that parent that got my back and from experience knows what they're talking about. So there are definitely some sideline moms out there. Keith, what's this look like on the football field? I can only imagine when you have, you know, all of those, that aggression on the basketball court that it might look a little different on the football field. What's the difference in that space? Yeah, so like you said, on the football field, it's kind of different because most most women never played football. So my my parents that I see, it'd be a lot of getting into with the coaches, getting into with the, with the, uh, with the fathers. And you can always tell when a father is not as active as he probably should be or as the mother should um, would like or whatever, because it shows up at, at on the sideline. Um, a lot of times mo mothers don't understand 
after a, after a tough loss, it may not be the best time to talk to a coach about why my son ain't playing the game, why my son didn't do this, why my son didn't do that. So we get a lot of that in football. It's, it's mothers coming up to coaches in a heated battle and, and want to have a heated exchange or a heated conversation right after, like, we just put the war and we just lost a, a tough battle. All they care about is their babies. Why my baby didn't play? Why my baby didn't do this? Or why my baby didn't do that? So we see a lot of that on, 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 in football. And like you said, like Jeff said earlier, you can kind of tell the dynamics of who kind of run in the household or who got the, the 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 power in the household or the power within the relationship with the kid. Um, when the parents go back and forth on the sideline, when you see the fathers and the parents, the mother come up to you like, hey, did he bring my son to practice today or did he bring his son to the game they want to call and stuff like that? So this, we get a lot of that as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you how much. Go ahead, Jab. I, I was saying that you weren't talking about the sideline moms who are trying to earn a child more playing time coming in and spending the next time getting out. Oh, like, not, like not out talking to the oh, coach. Yeah, we, 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 oh, we, oh. we get that too. We get that too. But, but not what's talking about. They just, they just upset that he may have not played as much yeah. as they would like, you know. And But it's, it's sometimes it's the wrong time to do that right after a tough loss, you know, after we just went to war and yeah. to battle. Yeah, I thought you was going in the space of, you know, this dynamic. And I see it oftentimes at games, you know, particularly with parents that aren't in a current relationship, you know, where you see dad on one end of the bench or even dad and his side of the family on one edge of the bench and mom and her side of the family on another side of the bench. And then sometimes you see them come together on the floor when they're greeting their child. And sometimes you don't. Sometimes you see this child trying to really figure out how to navigate this space I'm in where I've just come off the floor and I've either had a good or a bad day. And I don't know whether it's more appropriate right now for me to go to mom first or go to dad first. So how much do you see personal relationships between mom and dads on the sideline play themselves out? in things outside of the game itself. Yeah, no, for, for that, that's, that's huge. You know, like Keith said, you know, you can look at body language, you know, you can even see, I've seen times where a child I'm training will, will kind of uh, present differently depending on who bought them the training that day, you know, so you can see those types of things, but, you know, being a kind of a practitioner in the space form of case management and everything, I'm conscious about this. So a lot of times I'm looking at what the child needs, like to Rodney's point, regarding personal development. So, you know, I really kind of pick up on those things. But, then, you know, I think that's why we started this and that's why we're having these conversations for educational purposes, because like Keith said, some coaches may only care about the X and X's and O's and that win, you know. And so I find myself when I do coach, whether it's record, you know, I'm involved in the AAU I want to make sure a kid gets playing time, you know, for, for his personal growth, you know, and I want to have conversations with him when he's on the court, the kid that needs more of a confidence boost because it might be this relationship between mom and dad. I've had moms call me and say, Hey, we're going through a divorce. I just want you to know, you know, and so I'm active, you know, doing practice time and things like that to check in on the kid, kid emotionally, but we can read the tea leaves as coaches and trainers and things like that. Mm. Yeah. Keith, you have something to say? I thought you was going about to say something. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't have nothing to say. I just agree with Javin. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's really rough with those those dynamics because you absolutely can see it. Um, you, you know, mother and father sitting apart. I do have in one of the organizations I'm a part of. You know, the the, the father and mother co-parent very well because all three of their children participate in basketball and the, and the dad actually coaches the, the daughters who are younger and the older son is, you know, freshman in high school and they always make sure one is at one game and one goes with the other and the dad's always coaching the daughters, but they're always there to support. So, and they do that very well. Then on the other hand, you run into those issues where, you know, we got a game starts at one o'clock and it's one on three and one player ain't there. My, my wife who helps me run the league is calling the, the moms and the dads Oh, his dad got him this weekend. He was supposed to bring him. You call the dad. Oh, we're we're in a different state. We we went on vacation, and, it, and there's also those issues. So, I, I would say if if anybody's listening and you are in a co-parenting situation, just like with anything dealing with however you deal with your children, 
always keep in mind what's best for your children. What's so if you're going to be out of town, if you got the child this weekend and that weekend, make sure you communicate with everybody so the child can continue to, you know, come to practice, come to games, get their playing time. Because on the flip side, when you don't communicate and then your child doesn't play because they haven't been to practice in, in two weeks uh, and they come late to a game and then you're upset while they're not playing. Now I got to talk to you as the adult. Hey, this, this is what's happening. We need you to take accountability here so that your child can be at practice because they we put in three new plays mm -hmm. and we put them out there and they don't know what they're doing. That doesn't help their confidence, doesn't help their team and everybody's mad at them. Mm -hmm. So they, that can go in so many different ways. And I've, I'm thankful that I have some examples of how it works with a good co-parenting, but I've seen plenty, plenty of examples of, man, I wish they would just talk to each other a little bit more. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I'm glad and a couple of you have mentioned this already, already and that's that our desire to kind of really educate parents about some of the things that we've seen not only from a parent's perspective but from you guys as being coaches perspective and then I'm always kind of use my high level view as it relates to parenting and fatherhood and 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 and, and those and relationships and try to create some synergy so that people can get a fuller perspective of what we're at. And so today you're going to kind of hear me bounce around a little bit, but we're going to have a lot of opportunity to very narrowly um, focus on very specific aspects, you know, of being parents on the sideline of our children's lives. What I want to uh, pose to you guys now is can you talk a little bit about the importance of the parents' mindset and what their accomplishments are on the sideline, because there's two things going on. One of them, and this is from my experience, all of my children have gone different ways, but it is my son, my 14-year-old son today, that is very deeply um, in AAU sports. So I'm beginning to see a lot of this stuff with a fresh eye. And so, mm -hmm. and I'm going to be honest, I struggled in the beginning with managing my own emotions and understanding what my role as a parent was to my child. And in the beginning, I thought that role was solely athletic, meaning that everything I poured into him was about the development of his athletic abilities. And now I've come to learn that um, academics, athletic, athletics, aptitude, um uh, uh uh consciousness self-esteem there's so many different elements that you got to pay attention to at the same time because yeah. all of those things feed into whether or not whether or not you are cultivating a, a a healthy youth in sports can you talk a little bit about that struggle with respect to parents and not understanding who they are when they come to the space and what their roles and responsibilities are Man, we, we you touching on the whole uh, living vicariously through your child stuff too with that one, and and what I've seen is the the moms and dads that live vicariously through their children, no matter how talented the young person is, those players are often the ones that become the burnouts. They could be number one in the country in middle school and ranked and, and getting recruited by everybody, and by the time their senior year come around, they don't play that sport at all no more. Or they get to college and they make it through the first two games and they have just mentally lost their complete drive to play that sport, no matter how great they are. And because the balance has to happen is, like I said, everybody has a final game. When that final game comes, are you still their parent? Can you separate, which I fully understand the, because I'm a passionate person and I'm, I'm a competitor and I want to win. But when lose or draw, do they still feel like you love them? Do they still feel like I can talk to you about, man, I'm disappointed because, or I feel like I'm not good enough or needing that confidence boost? Can you separate, take off one hat, put on another hat in the moment? And I've had a moment with my son in, in middle school basketball where I had to like just embrace him coming off the court. And just be his dad for just a little moment. Like, you did good, son. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Not just a coach, but as a parent, like, you did good. And even in, in those, those heated moments, I want more parents to realize you can 
you can heal a wound or leave a scar based on what you say in that moment. Because I, I, my son is way better than I was at his age by far. And I ended up playing Division One college basketball. But I got to realize and remember, he's not me. Right. He, he's got to learn for himself whether I'm there or not. Whether I go off to visit another country while he's playing basketball, he's got to learn these things so he can know it as a man, as a young person. So that's why what I would encourage a lot of those parents to do is, man, remember which hat you're wearing. And you're not competing. Your child is. And they've got to learn lessons from it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really echo everything that Rodney said. You know, I think it's just important, you know, what lands and what hat you're wearing at the time. You know, I go in and I prefer not to coach my sons um, if at all possible, you know, particularly at the AAU level. I think it was important for me to coach during the rec league's foundational years because it was certain things I wanted them to get, you know, intellectually and from an athletic standpoint. But um, I really have to have an internal conversation with myself um, every every time I step into the gym, you know, um, and just remind myself, you know, what what we're here for. Like, it's the long haul because and again, like Rodney said, being a passionate person, being a former athlete, just being a competitive person that wants to win in life, you go in seeking the win more of everything else blinders seeking the win right and you're focused on that but it's really AAU basketball is akin to when we played or uh pick up basketball at the park it's really no different so early on I couldn't understand I didn't understand how it worked when my older guys were telling me that sons were playing AAU it was a championship on, on Sunday then the next week they said we won the championship I'm like, what are they talking about? The championship again? Like, I'm used to a season where it progresses. You go to the playoffs and championships. So just imagine that at the end of every pickup game you played at the park, it was a championship. It was going to be somebody's keeping stats and that sort of thing. And so I couldn't understand why my son didn't mind losing a game. You know, that weekend, I'm like, man, you know, and, and, and they get on to the next game. I remember a quote a kid said that was on our team. My father overheard him say it. He said, um... He said, man, um, I just I just like playing basketball. I really don't care whether we win or lose. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, that's that's uh -huh. he's like, I just like having fun. But he plays football, he plays baseball, you know. So for him, it's just fun. He gets to be with his friends, right? And so I think even at an early age of seven and eight, we're thinking college, D1 yeah. scholarship, uniform, yeah. he needs his right shoes. You got your water bottle packet, right? This is just glorified pickup basketball, which we will have conversations about. I'm sure we talk about these gate fees. I'm paying $25 as much as I paid to see Denzel Washington. I'm paying to watch my own son who I feed, clothe, and shelter to play a game, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think all of these things go into it that if you don't go in with the right mindset and then have accountability partners or another dad or a coach that you can bounce this off of, what am I seeing here? then there's no way you'll be in these AAU environments, not to mention if you're going out of town, there's $2,000 a pop on travel and everything. You're going to have the lens for win, win, win. And that's not the right lens. Winning a basketball game, it should be winning life. And what does that really look like? Hmm. Keith, what's your thoughts, bro? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I just think sometimes, I think Roddy hit on it earlier, um, the parents, especially fathers sometimes, and mothers too, they don't understand the the impact that it have where you act out or you say certain things or you do certain things on the sideline, how embarrassing that could be for the kid to the other kids because the other kids see it and they they don't understand. Other kids don't understand it. So they checking you or joining the other kid laughing. Like, your mama did this, your daddy, oh, you got fussed there, oh, you didn't get in the game, or whatever. And psychologically, that could hold a, a major impact on the kid later on down the line. Um, so I see that a lot on the sidelines as far as interactions and, and um, mothers or fathers not knowing when to, like like Jamie said, some of these kids, man, they not like us when we grew up. I hated to lose. I I I was competitive and everything like this. Some of these kids, they, like you said, they just having fun, man. I'm just having fun, and sometimes the the fathers try to live through the kids and put that pressure on the kids and put that pressure on them to be something that 
right now for them, it's just a game. It's just a hobby. It's just me hanging out with my friends. It's just me. Of course, we want to win. It, it looks good to win, but if we lose, it's not the end of the world for me, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But the fathers sometimes, they they just don't understand. They don't see that. Or they don't understand. Like, no, I want you to do this. You're going to do it like this. Are you going to, you know, and they're kind of grabbing them and embarrassing them in front of their other peers or whatever. So, KB, mm -hmm. hey, let, me, let me throw something out, and I'd love to get you to react to this. Um, What do we all think as fathers, coaches, what are we thinking about when the child loses? Are we thinking – that other adults are saying, oh, man, KJ's not as good as I thought he was, man. He only scored six points in this team loss. I heard about that. Mm -hmm. Is that our issue or are we thinking, KJ, man, um, man, damn, maybe this is who KJ is, man. Maybe KJ is okay with losing. He's not playing as hard as I know he can. Is it our fear that's behind that? Is, mm -hmm. is it perception from other adults? What do you think, what do you think is driving us to have these feelings? Yeah, you know, for me with KJ, it is, and it took me a while to get here, but I think he now clearly understands that where I don't have to worry about him when he steps off the court. Um, and so there are three things you're hearing. There is what they're saying, there's what I'm saying, and there's what you're saying to yourself. And what matters the most is what you're saying to yourself that what I'm giving you is solely informational. You can take it or not take it. I'm just telling you based on what I see, what I know, my experiences, those types of things. Everybody else is speaking about you in terms of how they're comparing you to their own child, to their own reputation, their own knowledge base, their own experiences, which for you matters nada. That's not even something that you could consider. But how you interpret those two things and then what do you say to yourself when you come off the court is more important than anything else. And that is my numero uno primary responsibility to ensure that when he comes off the court, he is filtering everything that he's heard and everything that he has experienced to the betterment for himself, which means that each and every time he gets on the floor, it is about getting better. It's not about performing today for what people are going to say about today's game or the memes that are going to hit Instagram over the next two days. The question is, in those areas that you needed to improve, did you improve today? Or in those areas that you didn't improve, what are we going to do moving forward? So the next time you step on the floor, those things improve. So he is always in constant improvement mode. And so even when he scores six points, his thing is like, yeah, dad, but I got 10 assists. You know what? That 10 assists equals 20 points if they made them. Right. Yeah. If they if they drop five of your balls, then it's not your problem. It's your teammates problem or your problem in throwing. You got to figure out which one, why your assists are not converting into points. So I just think it's really important, you know, when we think about that, that we really be mindful, you know, that we are ensuring that our children are saying this, saying the things to themselves that matter the most to them. Yeah, and I think you said some KB. Um, that's really important when we think about the sideline, Dan. I love to hear brothers re respond to. What are some things you've heard on the sideline that can absolutely crush a child? I I know I've I've said some things in practice before <clears throat> to Z in particular, where he's brought to me, man. My oldest son has said, "Man, Dad," and I'm you know I had a conversation. I actually asked my two sons, "What's best for me to do on the sideline?" If you're having a bad game, um, <clears throat> man, is it, should, should I holler up? Come on, Z, man, you're playing terrible. Come on, man, get it together, right? Or should I be instructive and say, oh, open your feet up, shoulder length apart, hold your follow through, elbow to hand, you know, elbow above the eyebrow. They said, yeah, instructive stuff is better in the moment than, than, than to criticize me. And that made me think, boy, I, I'm wondering what are some things guys have heard that maybe you can't take back or just we know as adults it's, it's not helpful. It's not helpful for you to even get into that bag. I, I, I made the same correction in myself, Jevin, like because I have coached my son and at a certain time I, I just let go and said somebody else got to coach him. Went from, you know, you know, you could do better to, all right, remember, bend at the waist from your toes to your fingertips. And then when I switched that, he would actually look at me and go, 
got it, and then do it, and then get an improvement. And that boosted the, his own self-confidence and self-esteem way better. You know you can do better than that. That's like, okay, now I'm messing up, and I'm getting it from the loudest, because I'm a large person, the loudest voice in the gym that when I speak, everybody hears me. Mm. Versus, all right, Randall, make sure you get it back next time. How do you make up for that mistake? And I've in the last two years, I'm being real honest, like in the last two years, I've gotten so much better at what and how I'm saying what I'm saying. And I've, I've heard some parents, man, like, man, you know you suck today. Man, we, uh, all that work, you, 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 you missed one, you got one for 20 today? Like, yeah. like, man, you are not helping. Right, and that, and, and, and that, Ways more, more dividends than the coach said. I can say the same thing, right? And the kid will take it differently from me saying it because I'm the coach. He know I'm the coach. With dad, it's like I gotta go home to dad. It's, it's going back to that living up to the expectations of dad, dad, dad. I don't look at you as a coach. I look at you as a dad. So me as a coach, like yeah, he know he has to say that he's gonna say those things, but is he's he's operating in a coaching. Um, platform versus my dad. So those things, like to say those critical things to a kid, sometimes is more detrimental than help from coming from a dad's standpoint. I make sure I take my coaching hat off the moment we leave the sports arena. I, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't do any more critiques. I don't do any more talking about the game. If somebody asks, like, yeah, we lost by so we won by so and so. Randall had a good game. Randall didn't play so well, but. Outside of that, if somebody's not asking me, I no longer I could be I could be upset. Like there's been games, middle school games where horrible refereeing, some kids, you know, got got hurt and pushed and punched. And even then, I'm still no longer critiquing my son's game. Because I gotta make sure that he remembers, okay, I'm also dad. His mother's also mom. And we support him and we still love him whether he plays basketball or not. And that's because what I wanted to do is allow my own children to fall in love with their own thing. Mm -hmm. Just because I'm a tall black man who played basketball, my oldest son actually was a swimmer first until he decided he wanted to do basketball. You know, my youngest does tumbling and basketball. So, so parents, no matter if they're tall like me, if they giants or not, you gotta allow your, your children to develop their own relationship with their sport. And you cannot, blurred that line all the time you know and you know and, and i also will say it is different per child like there's rarely those kids that need that man you suck but that's rare that the majority of kids don't operate that way yeah you know my thought was you know it is for me and i made closely made the mistake i didn't make the mistake but i closely but it was in the way that he interpreted it that said to me never make that mistake and that is calling a kid out of his name yeah right and that is it's not saying you know because my statement was um where he was having a game and really getting them very emotional my comment was you acting like a b mm -hmm. right but he interpreted that as me calling him a b yeah. and i said nah that's not what i said i said you're acting unbecoming to how you should be acting on the floor not because of what i'm watching it's because of what everybody else is watching and what people are seeing so you have to be mindful of what your coach sees in you as well if they see a kid that is overly emotional and, and gets upset and pouts at every play and is mad at the ref and blaming everybody else you're probably not going to get a lot of time on the floor so how you present yourself on the floor is extremely important, but I recognize when he interpreted what I said that I needed to be very careful about ever, ever calling him out his name, which I've heard coaches do to players on the sideline. Whether yeah. you're a punk, you trash, you, you know, those kind yeah. of words that we use these days. And I think that that has a much more detrimental impact on children than anything else. Yeah, no, that's solid, KB, and you, you, you hit my word, the punk word, right? But see, <laughs> a lot of times, and I, and I see what you're saying, because for me, it doesn't have anything to do with basketball. Every, everything you described that his coach sees, 
you could say your employer sees that, that girl you want to date sees that. So see, I know behind it, that's my lens. And when I talked about the fear, a lot, a lot of times the fear is this guy will not be able to conduct himself as a man, raise a family because of the way he's behaving on the court from my lens right now, bro. That's not it. That's not it. You should be prepared. You should have your water bottle filled up. You should have your shoes ready. You shouldn't forget your uniform. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I don't know. A lot of times my urgency comes from saying, yo, man, I don't know how long I'll be here. I won't always be in this role for you. I need to see you be prepared as a man. And I'm doing everything I can, I think. And so maybe some of that comes back on me when I see him miss that free throw. Like, dang, I'm supposed to be the one preparing him. I'm supposed to be the one putting him with the training, with the coach and the right program. He's not having success. So I think some of that is a reflection back on us. But I imagine that sideline dad who no longer has control of his schedule and that sort of thing, man, it must be heart-wrenching to yeah. say, here I am with this new family. I got a two-year-old now with this new woman. I'm just not giving Junior the time I, I should have. I failed in this relationship and I'm failing. I imagine some of that is part of the conversation, but my lens is always, am I preparing him to be a man? Mm. I, I completely feel you on that one. That that urgency, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm going through it right now because, you know, my son's about to go into high school and I've had family members pass away and it, it reminds you like I'm not immortal. Well, one day I'm not going to be here. Does my son, do, do my children have the tools that when the day comes when I'm not here to be the man or the woman they're supposed to be? Mm -hmm. And, and that, that's, that's a challenge. For me, that is a challenge. Yeah. Keith, I saw a kid get hurt this weekend. Um, so much so, MNT, EMT had to come and put him on a, a stretcher and take him to the hospital for him. He actually, we've learned now that he sprained his knee, uh, but it just looked really, really ugly. Um, in the beginning of last year, uh, my son decided that he wanted to play football um, because in his mind, he thought that playing football would toughen him up a little bit on the basketball field and on the, ba yeah, on the basketball court. And so he had the same experience that I had when I tried out for football in <laughs> high school where I cut across the middle and all I saw was the sky, you know, after I came across and I left my helmet on the field at, at that location right after that hit. And I was done right after that. Word, I was done after that. My son had the same experience. He got a tackle, tackled a kid. But they bunched up. And you know how when they bunched up, everybody's trying to get up. They stepping everywhere. Kids are not mindful that I'm stepping on another kid's leg. I'm stepping on his hand. I'm stepping on his mm -hmm. face. And he was just like, they were stepping all over him. And he came off the field and he was like, I'm done. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to basketball. Safety becomes a huge issue as it relates to parents, particularly the differences between how dads feel about really uh, uh, competitive sports like football, um, lacrosse, soccer, some of those other sports that are a little more aggressive than than basketball, although basketball can be at times just as dangerous. You know, when you're looking at parents on the sideline, you know, particularly moms and dads, can you see sometimes where dads are the engine to their children playing football as opposed to moms pushing them in a sport that is kind of widely recognized as as a dangerous sport and, and and people don't want to put their particularly their young kids in football. Yeah, of course, of course. And like you hear a lot of parents, you hear a lot of mothers don't want their kids to play football. So it's all it's mostly a lot of times it's the father that's pushing and pushing it. And like you said, it's the father who has played football before, who's trying to live through their kids a lot of times. Um, that's out there pushing the kids to play. Like you say football is a very barbaric sport. It's a, it's a barbaric sport. You know, and it's it's who's the toughest, who's can hit the hardest, who can run the fastest, and who can hit the hardest, or whatever. So, yeah, man, you see that a lot. Where it's a it's a conflict of interest, or it's a conflict between the parents. It's the mother, I I told you I didn't even want him playing football. As soon as the kid get hurt, it's his daddy fault. You know, as soon as the kid get hurt, mm -hmm. and it's one of those things that that draws a divide in the, in the family or the, or the, the parenting uh, dynamic as well. Because it's like she said, I ain't never want him to play. He out here getting hurt. It's your fault, you know? <laughs> so, 
Uh, we do see that see that as well. But like I said, man, a, a lot of kids and parents is not. And you you uh, be surprised. Some fathers who played the sport now are saying that they turning away from football a little bit, and they they at least at the early ages they wait until they get a little older to like pick and choose what they want to do. If you want to go out there, because now they got playing football starting at four at four four years old, then like five six years old they start putting on equipment. But a lot of the fathers now is waiting till their kids get 10, 11, 12 years old before they even let them come out to play football or whatever. And so with that, you get a kid that's not fully developed in the sport. So like how your son, he comes out there one time and he gets hit and he's not used to that and never, never this unfamiliar to him. So he, oh, no, I'm going back to what I'm what I'm used to. No, nah, I want this. But a kid that's been getting hit since 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, who's grew up, it's grown. I prepared to take a hit. Know how to take on a hit. It's kind of different to them a little bit, or whatever. So, as a coach, it's kind of hard when you get a kid at 11 years old because he's a little behind the curve because he started so late in, in the game. Because at 11 years old in football, it's pretty. It's kind of late when you try to come out and play little league football. You never played it before, and so now you got to go back and teach the basics, the basic concept of safety. Mm-hmm. How to take a hit, how to hit, how to protect yourself, you know. So I don't have your mama running down the sideline at me, or your father running down the sideline at me, uh, or whatever. So yeah, safety is a huge concern. Um, yeah, here's a big one. I'm gonna throw it at all of you guys. I'm sure y'all can talk about this from your own perspective, and it's probably gonna be comical in a sense at the same time too. And that is, so as a coach, and all of you have coached in sports, like. At what point do you say to the parent, whether it is athletically or physically, I don't think your kid gonna make it in this sport. You know, it's like, I'm looking at the tea leaves and I'm looking at what I'm seeing right now. And I know you think they are gonna grow like eight inches over the summer, but I seen both you and the daddy and both of y'all five, six. And so I don't think, he gonna hit like an eight inch spurt, or you looking at a kid that can't run, um, um, he that can't catch the ball, and and it gets like, yeah, but he, but his cousin played, you know, on Alabama, and blah blah blah. Like, wh- what is the point hey, at which you do that? I see anyway. that go, I see that go bad <laughs> a many a time. So what, what I learned to do is, it's no way you could tell a father, a parent, period, that your son ain't gonna make it. Your son, it's just not for him. The best thing that I could do is tell him, come to practice. You come and see what we see. You saw, so you will see him playing against his peers in practice or whatever. And we kind of doing him a justice by not playing him as much. Because if you come to practice, you will see why he's not getting in the game. You will see he's timid, that he's not as, as, as physical, he's not as fast, he's not as strong as the other kids. But if you tell a parent, man, now you got another issue. <laughs> That's my experience. The truth shall make you free. I have learned you are doing nobody justice by delaying telling them the truth about their child. And and what I mean is, like, so we have, in my my league, we do fourth through seventh grade. So fourth and fifth grade, there's still a little bit of that runaround ball. You know, fourth grade especially, you know, they hop around and travel, 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 and they play with a smaller ball. And so they're all just beginning. So your expectations aren't high. By the time they get to sixth grade, especially you know where I, where I coach in Gwinnett County, it's extremely competitive, extremely competitive. And so if you put, which I have done in the past, and we're no longer going to do this, if you put beginning-style players in as sixth graders, it doesn't help them. It doesn't help them develop, uh, especially if you have a team full of developmental players, right? It does, they, nobody ever develops or get better. And if anything, it actually hinders them because now they have, it's a twofold, man. Okay. I'm trying to build this confidence in myself and we're getting whooped by 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 points sometimes. And every time you play, it's the same outcome. That's not helping them develop uh, self-esteem. So what I've learned is right away, when you see a deficiency in a child and definitely encourage the parents to come to practice and games. It's like, I'll say, hey, you see this, this, and this. I'll either point out their strengths and or their weaknesses. And I said, if he wants to get better, if you want, if he, if he likes, if he likes this sport, 
You need to go to training. You need to do this. You need to do that. Okay, if you ain't got money, I suggest going doing this, this, and this, and this, and this. And by that, that sixth, seventh grade time frame, you, it's sad because you just you want kids to play, but that's what rec leagues are for. So you have to really play the child at their level. You have to be honest with yourself and honest with your child's ability. And some some young people do do blossom late. You know, get the court. Like I didn't get my coordination until I was 16 years old. I was a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. But I love giving that. up on you, Rodney. I'd have given up on you, man. Big old <laughs> tall. <laughs> no, no you was tall though, so I would have kept you around. Though. Exactly. They kept Just because of the size. I right. could rebound well. I, you know, I did. I did what I did, right? But yeah. when when you're okay, let's say you are tall, but you fall over your own feet. Uh, you, you, when you shoot the basket, it goes 20 feet to the left. Yeah. And, <laughs> You know, you don't understand basketball plays. You, you just turn it in circles. Well, I have kids like that. They'll literally stand there and just go in circles, watching everybody go by them. <laughs> and you're not helping them by putting them with, with higher level kids. So to wrap that up, be honest with the parents and kids right away from the beginning, especially get, get into that fifth and sixth grade room. Tell them the truth. Tell them what they need to work on. Mm-hmm. Say play so rugby. What, what, what you're talking about, KB, is DPS, man, delusional parent syndrome, right? <laughs> so it's just a matter of how bad they have it. And I got a couple different remedies for it that I, that I use as a coach and as a trainer, you know, but definitely being honest, you know, because sometimes I, I'll tell you the truth. <clears throat> One thing I've learned about youth sports, especially as we take our travel team around, some parents and some kids have never seen, and I know in football it's probably even twice as intense. Some parents have never seen kids that are this good, yeah. you know, that are this good this early. So they don't really have a sense of what's out here. Like I had to reteach myself the game to train my sons when they became of age. Because if I tried to show them, you know, Dr. J and what Magic Jump, man, that stuff is past, man. Like. Yeah. The game is played a whole new way. So when you have younger kids and you're first coming into it, you don't understand the intensity, how these kids are now training, the skill sets and that sort of thing. So that's the first thing, being honest with them about it. So then this is my second thing, my second layer. What I do is if a parent thinks their child is really, really good, I say he can use some more training. I train on these days and these times. Bring your, bring your child if they're sitting on the bench or not. And I'll let them see a workout. I'll let them see how proficient the kids that are training with me are at these different skills. And I say, this is what your child should be able to do at this level. If they still are delusional, I'll let I'll sick Joe on them, KB. Play <laughs> myself is three years younger than you. Right. And he's gonna dog your child, right? You wow. So that, that's a wake-up call. If that doesn't work, my next thing is. Whatever it is you think your child can do that I know they can't. Oh, he's a really good ball handler in his rec league. Let him bring the ball up. I'm going to let him bring the ball up three times in a row. And not to hurt the kid, but more so to show the parent, you know, that he just does not have the skill set. He's not ready for it. But if we work on these three things, we can get him ready, right? And so I think, you you know, like, like Rodney said, you have to be honest about these things. But Sometimes I'll even look at it. It might not be the kid that's the problem because the kid can potentially get better. Yep. But with that delusional parent, they're going to inhibit the growth of a coach to coach him properly, to train him properly. And I'll say that's going to be that kid's undoing. But I can see it by about fourth grade, maybe fifth grade, you see some of these kids sort of falling off. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so you can't I- be afraid to dismiss a parent. Yeah, yeah. So they're cancer. They're, they're cancerous. Let them go. Yeah. So as I expected, this conversation was gonna be fun, and we out of time already, man. And we we just we just tickling the surface. Wow, we got to come back and really kind of dig in. But before I let each of you go, um, if each of you can just talk a few minutes about like what are some of the subjects that you guys really, really want to dive into, like really get deep into that people can be excited about to continue to listen to Sideline Dad? Man, I got a heavy one for you guys, man. I was out at um, a tournament out at Made Hoops, uh, Nike's kind of younger tournament for the younger kids. And I looked at it, it had to be over 350 teams there, maybe 400. And this is you know, from 17, you on down, but I'm thinking about, you know, ages third grade through about seventh grade. 
And I'm looking at this and what it takes. This is in Ohio. You know, we caravan drove up all the way from Atlanta. And our team, I mean, we're ranked in the country. These rankings don't mean a whole lot. But we're going to beat 98% of the teams we play. And if your team is not, you know, elite A, U level, we're going to beat you by 30, 40 points, right? And so I know there are a lot of teams that are out there like that. Now, on the one hand, sports are fun. They, they teach life lessons and everything. But what I want to dive into, are we investing too much time, money, and resources into youth basketball, these youth sports? You know, you think about it, I'm going to be probably a hundred grand in by the time my child gets through 10th mm -hmm. grade wow. and cash spent out of my household, right? Mm -hmm. I believe my, my children probably have a pretty good chance of being D1 through D3 athletes, probably having you know, their education paid for. It'd probably be a worthwhile investment, right? And then the character building, everything else that goes with it. But I really need you brothers and then the audience to help us figure out, are we putting too much in, into this? You know, mm -hmm. so that's one topic I know I want to dive into. Wow, okay. I mean, he, he took mine because I, I just believe a lot of people don't understand AAU, right? And for my older son, I waited until eighth grade for him as an eighth grader to start playing AAU. You always have to be honest where they are. And I won't go too deep in it because we're going to talk about it later. But really look at what you're trying to put your child into and will that help your child? Yeah, I'll stop mm. there. Okay. You're on mute. You're on mute. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I would say the same. I would say the same thing uh, along other things. Uh, like I said, football. Like you say, I'm as a coach, not even a parent. I'd be looking at the cost, and I'm like, man, can I afford to do this? If I was, a, if I had kids on the team, can I afford to pay five hundred dollars part fee, then equipment, this and that, and then travel every weekend, and this and that? Can I afford to do that if I had kids? So that's a major topic. That's a huge topic that needs discussion that I don't think a lot of people do, especially with, with football. And because we got AU football teams um, now, essentially, because they call them travel teams. And every weekend, they in a, in a different city, different state, not just a city, different state, and they travel. You know, and the football team is huge. So you might have 30, 40 players on these teams, and these got to get rules and this and that every weekend. It's a lot of money, man. It's a lot of money for that may not pan out, may or may not pan out to be a good investment later on. So we can call it the business of youth sports. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, for me, it is educating parents, you know, on the infrastructure of youth sports and youth extracurricular activities, period. Right. And really kind of understanding the dynamics and how, particularly in the major sports, you know, NBA, NFL, MLB, and NHL, how the dynamics in terms of how children excel into the spaces to become pros, what that looks like, right? Basketball is probably the most that has changed the quickest, right? And so yeah. now there's eight, if there, there must be four or five pathways to a pro team now uh, where there was always one pathway. You know, if you play really well in your community, particularly in your high school sports, you played on an AAU basketball travel team in your city and you flew around the country in the summer and you played other and college um, um, coaches came to those games and they saw you and then they saw you at the McDonald's Classic and then that was your path. Those were things that were indicators that you were getting close and close and close. That's not the case anymore. And so mm -hmm. to your point, all of your points about the money that we're investing um, is, is it worth it? And then the last thing is whether or not, um, the fact that because AAU across the board is becoming so big, whether or not regulation is going to have an issue on individuals that get into, um, producing, uh, tournaments, like with no medics on staff, like we've gone to tournaments where kids have gotten hurt and they didn't even have ice on the facility. Like no one there, just in case somebody got hurt, they depend on 911. And so how do parents begin to start asking the right questions when they sign up their kids, A, for an AAU team, and then B, when the AAU team signs up their kids for a tournament? Like what is what are the credentials in place to ensure that my child is going to be safe? 
you know, on your team, what's the insurance liabilities you got, which is probably zero if you ask most of them. And then what are insurance liabilities that the tournament has, which is probably going to be zero because it's only going to take one coach in this country and one tournament to get sued for a considerable amount of money because something tragic, tragic has happened to their child to flip this thing on his head. Um, and then someone is going to have to figure out, you know, who's going to regulate all youth sports um, across the board to make sure that they're safe, particularly keep to your point, those parents that are, you know, and again, Rodney said it earlier, we don't want to go too deep because then we get deeper into a conversation, but it's something that I need to say. I was going to ask you guys a question, decided not to ask the question, but since you brought it up, I'll bring it up. And that is, is the cost of youth sports Xing out? the ability for low-income children to actually excel excel mm -hmm. in sports mm -hmm. because they can't um play um pop warner at, at you know at seven eight nine years old or aeu basketball at eight nine or major league base. they can't go to the best schools with the best baseball players and nhl players so what's happening to those kids that don't have their money to do that stuff and how are they going to then do what most of the folks in our community have always used sports for, and that's an escape from poverty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no question. No question. What opportunities are there for, for children to even learn the fundamentals of these sports without being able to pay for it, you know, with trainers and these sorts of things. So no, that's, that's a conversation I absolutely want to be a part of. And then the third one for me would also be, um, and looking at how many resources are being taken out of our community. I think we've always looked at that as far as sports. You know, our, our best and brightest are plucked off and go, go to these pro leagues and universities, you know, that may not have our best interests. You know, we've seen that. But now we have to begin to look at who's benefiting from this $100,000 that's going to be spent getting my boys from second to 10th grade, hopefully before they're on a, on a team that's sponsored. Who's benefiting from that, that cash that's leaving our household? You know, and sometimes we're beginning to see these tournament directors and things like that don't come from these same communities, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think we we have to have honest conversations about all three of those things. Cool. Rodney, last words. Uh, you remembered, I'll, I'll reiterate something I said earlier. Remember which hat you have on. Every child, every player always has a last game. We never know what when that last game is. Always make sure your child knows that you're there, you are their parent, you love them, you're there to support them. And no matter what they do, they can't change that. So always remember that. Key. Uh, for me, let the kids be kids. Um, don't try to live through your kids. Let the let the game come to them naturally how it's supposed to come to them and don't try to force them on them. Don't try to force them to be something that they're not ready to be at the moment. Mm -hmm. Javin. Um that this 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 is about life, you know. Um this this is a lifelong pursuit. Nobody's going to the NBA today, nobody's getting a scholarship, nobody's checking out your second grader, your fourth grader, your sixth grader, you know. So Use this for what it is to teach, uh, teach life principles. Let's grow some men and women. Mm -hmm. For me, if your child don't want to be in the game without you pushing them in the game, they probably don't want to be in the game. And so mm -hmm. you shouldn't have to want to push your child to do something that they love to do. And so this is Javin, Keith, Rodney, and myself, Kenny. We're going to be back with you with Sideline Dads. This is just the beginning, y'all. Check out this episode right here on I Am Dad podcast. But the I Am, I'm sorry, but the SidelineDads.com website is already up. And so this episode is going to allow us to build it to make sure that we are now on all of the podcast platforms across the board. Um, we haven't decided exactly what day, what time it's going to consistently come on, but we will be a weekly um, podcast. We're getting better. We can't wait for you to see the set. We can't wait for you to hear our guests. We can't wait to get into these topics, but make sure you stay in touch. If you got any ideas about subject matter, go to sidelinedads.com. Give us your subject um, conversations that you'd like for us to talk about, ask any questions, and we'll make sure that we take care of those as soon as we hit the airwaves with the first episode, the real, real, real episode of Sideline Dads. Until then, peace out. See you next time. Peace. Peace. 
Thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us. You've been listening to I Am Dad Podcast. We hope that you have been informed, encouraged you to think, or even inspired your heart for the love of dads. The conversation does not end here. Come back and join us next week. Same time, same place. Or you can continue the dialogue on our I Am Dad Facebook page. We also invite you to listen to past episodes, learn more about us, and keep up with special activities by visiting IamDadPodcast.com. That's IamDadPodcast.com. Until next time, I leave you with this reminder of manhood from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Because of this reminder, I will always understand that I am dad, period.